Welcome to the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. My name's Amy McDonald. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga student, and a yoga business coach. And I'm here to support you to share your yoga with the people in your community who really need it. So if you're an amazing yoga teacher, but you sometimes struggle with the business part of what it is that you do, you're in the right place. I hope you thoroughly enjoy everything I've got in store for you. And if you have any suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, reach out to me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Hey everybody, welcome to what oh, what might be a little bit of a bumpy episode, but you know what, as we say here, say it with me now, done is better than perfect. So let me tell you a little bit about um, what the hell's going on, because I suspect at any moment, this broadcast may be interrupted by my brand new neighbours dropping the F-bomb, maybe followed by the C-bomb. So, uh, <laughs> just for some context, for the past 10 years, uh, I've lived fairly remote. My cottage is surrounded by a lot of garden, not a lot of neighbours, uh, but I am now uh, living interstate. <laughs> And uh, still learning that this is the first podcast recording in this new location, which is on a main road uh, by the ocean with some effing seas next door. So that might happen. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. So in case you're wondering, gee, Amy, why did you move into state in such a quick amount of time? Here's the answer. Uh, my nana lives here where I've moved to. Uh, she's 94 and uh, she's awesome, by the way. She's awesome. Uh, except if she's losing at Scrabble, in which case she'll flick you with the tea towel. Everything otherwise awesome. Uh, she's 94. She's, you know, struggling a little. Uh, just because you know, the body kind of stops working, you know. <laughs> and uh, so my aunt and uncle, who also live here, in fact, I'm now in their house, uh, take amazing good care of her. And uh, they need a break. So they said, hey, we want to take a break. And uh, so could you move up here for a few weeks and take care of her? And I said, sure. And all of that has uh, been in process for about the past two months, planning on all of that, getting it all ready, getting organized, planning, you know, doing things like redirect, all of the things when you're about to move into state for a couple of months that take some time. Now, I was due to have everything packed last Friday and then take a very casual slow drive because my dog hates the car all day Saturday to get up here and start doing the caring thing. Except, of course, uh, at 11 a.m. on Thursday of last week, my state government announced an imminent lockdown and close closure of the borders. <laughs> Not allowed to go further than five kilometres from your house, starting midnight Thursday night, uh, which left me uh, between 11am and midnight to get across the border. Excellent. So uh, thanks to my fabulous sister who was kind of like on the phone with me telling me things to pack, <laughs> uh, I took about an hour to pack seven weeks worth of stuff, business, life, dog, everything into the car and fanged it, as we say here in Australia, uh, just making it over the border at 6pm. Excellent. Arrived. Great. Next morning, this state government has announced that anybody from my state, Victoria, who came in after 4pm has to do a one-week lockdown. So, uh, all of this to say, 
that um, <laughs> things have been a little crazy in the past week, moving into state with a 90 minutes notice, uh, and then having arrived, not being able to do actually what you came here for. Moreover, uh, living in someone's house, who my aunt and uncle had gone traveling uh, for seven weeks, so there was nothing here, as you could imagine, in terms of like food. Uh, and of course, I can't go anywhere because I'm on lockdown. So all of this has been fun. I'm sure when my aunt gets home, she's going to discover some strange things missing from the cupboards. While there is in this very small country coastal town, a very small country coastal supermarket, fair to say the vegan range, slim to none. I think I ate all the tofu that they had. <laughs> so to recap, uh, it might be a bit noisy. So uh, I have this is the best I got right now. There might be some neighbors who drop some expletives in that might happen. Uh, and we're just going to see how we go. I want to do a special shout out to uh, all of my um, clients who I was supposed to have sessions with, um, intensives and whatnot on Thursday, who got cancelled at the very last minute, especially Kate Dow, who um, I got on the Zoom. She booked in for noon. I just had half an hour ago the message that you got to run or you're not going to make it. and so I got on the Zoom and the first thing she said to me was, are you okay? And I said, yes, and we need to reschedule. So amazing. Thanks to everybody for being super, super flexible. Got to say also thanks to uh, my fabulous gang of yoga teachers in GYYB who I got up here at, I don't know what time we actually got into the house, about midnight Thursday night and they had their GYYB group call on um, at 7 a.m. the next morning. I hadn't even seen the house. I haven't been here before. I uh, hadn't even seen the house in uh, in the daylight. So thanks also to everybody. Again, GYYB, he was uh, super flexible and accommodating when uh, they're building a new road at the front of the house. So we had laying of bitumen happening all during that. Good times. Uh, what do they say? Yogis, we're flexible. <laughs> all of this, though, uh, hopefully by the end of the week, I'll be able to see my nana and... Uh, I can see the ocean from my desk. That's pretty nice. I think I saw a whale go by today. That's pretty nice. So that's my situation, as I alluded to on the gram this morning. Speaking of Instagram, we must say thank you to Vanessa Flow underscore yoga. Uh, Vanessa is the reason that this podcast subject exists. She messaged me to say, hey, could you do a podcast on uh, how to, in fact, her phrase was um, event build-up, what to do in event build-up. And in particular, she mentioned that she's doing inversions workshops and gong baths and all sorts of yummy sounding things. So thanks, Vanessa, uh, Vanessa Flow underscore yoga. Go follow her. Thanks, Vanessa, for this idea. Um, I've taken it and tweaked it a little bit. Um, And If, like Vanessa, you're looking for what are the actual marketing steps to launch an event, uh, I've got that training six weeks to full classes, which it's a video training. You can also apply it to um, events. I think I might have also dropped it as a podcast. But anyway, if if you want to watch that, uh, DM me on Instagram. I'll send you the link. It's somewhere on my website. I'll uh, dig it out. (laughs) It's a little bit like the suitcase that I packed. Ay, ay, ay. I went to put on a t-shirt this morning only to realize 
It's an old singlet that should have been thrown out. When you pack in a heartbeat, you end up with an odd collection of clothing upon arrival. So, Vanessa, thanks so much. What I've decided to do is is hack down your topic a little to be the four missed marketing steps when preparing for events. Because, like I said, I think I've talked about uh, in other places about here are either the Facebook groups and here are the Instagram posts and here are the reels and here are the stories. And if you want that, six weeks to full classes, DM me, I'll send it to you. But I thought, let's take it out a level because that's the nuts and bolts stuff. Go get that done. But these are four things that I see yoga teachers forget or maybe they don't even know to do them really regularly. And, um, and I don't want you to do that anymore. So here's we goes. Alrighty, so the first one is um, the first one is the actual scheduling of the events themselves. So one of the reasons that people um, get a bit cattywampus about when do I sell what, how do I market, I feel like there's so much happening, I don't know where to start, all of this, is because there hasn't been enough thinking in the selection of the dates in the first place. So um, you end up with uh, things um, not in a smart order or things too close together. Maybe you've got weeks where there's nothing and then you've got something happening every other weekend for two months. Not enough thinking goes in at the front end on how you schedule your events. And Vanessa has a yoga studio. So the advice to yoga studios on this point is going to be slightly different to the advice I'm going to give to all of you freelancers and air quotes, solopreneurs. So, um, for people who have studios, when you think when you're actually scheduling in your special events, it's important to think about um, your sub audiences, right? And to think about what I call, and I don't know if this is a legit marketing term, but I did science at university. I want to apply that learning. Saturation point. See? That was worth $20,000, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Saturation point. So think about the, the sub-audiences that you have and diversifying across all of those audiences or on-selling to those audiences. So here's what I mean. Let's go back to, um, let's just, I don't know Vanessa's studio, but she mentioned in her tech, in her DM to me that she's thinking about an inversion workshop and she's also thinking about a gong bath, right? So if she had those, let's say she had gong bath one weekend, inversion workshop next weekend, chances are, while there may be some overlapping audiences, there may very well be quite distinct sub-audiences within her studio community that are more attracted to an inversion workshop, more attracted to a gong bath. Um, People who like to lie around and get gonged might not like to go upside down and vice versa. So putting those right next to each other makes sense. But if you put something right next to each other that would appeal to the same sub-audience of your community, then it might be difficult to get them to buy twice in a short period of time. Having said that, sometimes there can be benefit in putting things together that are quite similar if you have an on-sell type strategy. So for example, uh, let's say you it's either a, you know it's a part one or a part two or it's a beginners and then an intermediate or it might be less um, sort of obvious than that. It might be something like uh, I don't know, maybe you do um, maybe it's 
maybe you do the inversion workshop and then you do an arm balance workshop and you on-sell that because people who are a bit like, oh, I don't know, headstands, handstands, I would like to try a pitch my rasana, they come and they go, actually, you know what, that was fun and I could do a whole lot more of it and I am interested in doing more, again, air quotes, advanced yoga asana. So when you say at the end of that one, oh, by the way, in two weeks it's arm balances and we're going to do, I don't know, bujeti pasana, tidibasana, all of these, you know, ashtavakrasana, yada, yada asana. Oh, oh, oh my God, I'm so funny. Um, I'm not funny. Then, you know, it would make sense that they might be interested in going on to that one. So for studio owners or people who have, um, you know, uh, I guess a bigger business, maybe you have teachers teaching for you, maybe um, you teach a truckload of stuff, then when you're thinking about the scheduling, thinking about, think about the Think about diversifying across your sub-audiences if you're putting things close together or if you are selling something to your full audience or even to an element of the sub-audience but it's quite similar back-to-back, make sure you're adopting some kind of intentional on-sell strategy so that when people come to one thing, you sell them into the next or maybe there's even like a buy both, get a discount or buy both, get a value add as a way of incentivizing those people um, to come to both things. Now, if you're, oh, sorry, one more thing when it comes to studio owners. For you guys, I'm really cool with you sending out the type of sales email to your list, which is more like an events digest. So you could put um, like a what's on sales email where you would talk about multiple things at the same time within the one email. Yes, okay for studio owners because you have a bigger audience that is going to be more diverse because some people only come to Karen and some people love Megan and some people can't get enough of Brian, etc. They're different. But if you're a solo, solopreneur, it's getting that Kath and Kim accent this entire episode. Why? Why not? Uh, if you're a solopreneur, nice, you uh, want to just be selling one thing at a time for the most part. So when you're thinking about scheduling your events, Think about what am I going to be selling at that time? Am I already going to be selling something at that time? And if so, then it is not the right time to schedule that event. If I'm not selling something at that time or if I can take a pause in selling something else in order to sell this, then it makes sense to fit it into my schedule. But for the most part, for you solopreneurs, I want you to – I really recommend that you just sell one thing at a time and that will really – influence your choices about scheduling your events. So point number one is all about schedule your events with your marketing in mind. Okay, point number two. Uh, and thanks to everybody who messaged me on Insta saying, oh, Amy, I like the new music. I am addicted to listening to tracks on that. Bloody, I, I mean, tell you what, if there was going to be um, indiscriminate online buying from Amy McDonald, it would be buying little bits of music on that site. I'm making a promise to myself. I'm not allowed to. No more, Amy. But I've got some. I've got the shopping cart filled up. Do you do that? Like fill up the shopping cart. I'm not going to check out. I'm just like browsing. I'm totally going to abandon this cart. 
So there might be more. Thanks, everybody. Keep DMing me if you like it because <laughs> I can talk myself into buying some some more. Amy's end of year, end of financial year spend is all at luckstock.com. Anyway, back to the actual topic. The next one, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, is the importance of building your brand awareness, building your brand awareness before building your building your audience before you start selling. So again, classic mistake. Start selling this thing and go, oh shit, I don't have enough people to sell it to. I better go meet new people. No, no, no. Start meeting new people before you even launch the thing because they're already, they already know you, right? They've already, you've already been hanging out a little bit. They've already been following you on Instagram or watching your lives on Facebook or listening to your podcast or subscribing to your YouTube channel or joining your clubhouses or watching your reels or whatever, following your tweets or whatever you're doing, um, they already know who you are. So when you say, hey, would you like to come to my gong bath? They're not, who are you, stranger, and what the hell's a gong bath? They're already in the club. They're already enjoying your content. They're already following what it is that you're doing. Build your audience before you start selling. And the, the sort of pro tip on that one is, the higher the price point or the more substantial the offering, the more people are going to need to know you before they buy. For the most part, hey, all of us have had a random say, yeah, sure, I'll come to Thailand with you on a whim, and right? Like, or Costa Rica or wherever the hell, Spain, whatever you do. But, you know, sometimes that happens and you're like, thank God that made all the difference. Now I'm actually going to have some money in my pocket at the end of this goddamn retreat. We've all been there. But for the most part, the people who say yes, please, to something more substantial need to have known you for longer. Your teacher training, your mentoring, your international retreat. It, you know, you get the idea. So don't wait until after you've cut the ribbon. Don't wait until after you've done the big unfurling. Look what I have to sell and no one's standing there watching you do it. You want to make sure that you've built that audience ahead of time. Now, if you don't know how to build your audience and you haven't bloody signed up for a social media confidence for yoga teachers yet, please, would you just register? Get in on the freaking payment plan. It's 50 bucks a week for four weeks. Help me help you. Seriously, um, you need it. If, if me saying build your audience on Insta, get more subscribers on your YouTube, if that's like had you, I don't know, in, in some kind of spontaneous Kapalabhati moment, please just get this course. God damn it. amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social. Holy Toledo. Uh, if you aren't all over that, let me help you. It's ding dong cheap if you think about the what's going to come after you start doing what I tell you. For reals. Okay, enough of all of that. Point number two, build your audience before, before you start selling. And, and if you think about it, you know, I think it's an important reality check that um, about how many people are actually going to buy from you ever. You know, I was talking to one of my fabulous clients today in her one-to-one coaching session and she was saying that she's feeling a little bit disheartened because she's just launched her next six-week block and not everybody's bought. And she was feeling bummed out about it that not, you know, she didn't have all of her students coming back. And so, you know, we talked about it because, I mean, I would love it if it was otherwise, but for most people, most of the time, you will always lose students. I've yet to meet anybody who has 100% retention and that 
even if you they were you were the best yoga teacher of their life, you know, unless you were the best, you could be all of those things. You could be like their their go-to person for all of it. If that was the case, you would have an ethical issue. But let's just forget about that for the point of this anecdote. People still break their ankles. People still get pregnant. People still move interstate with 90 minutes to pack a suitcase. It's not always about you. You'll always, you know, no one has 100% retention. You always need to be building your audience. You always need to be talking to new people. You always need to be making more connections. You always need to be growing your following. You always need to be looking for opportunities to partner with other people. None of this is overwhelming or heavy or something to be resentful of or um, not the reason I decided to become a yoga teacher no, no, no. This is all about fun and engagement and meeting people like Vanessa, like me and Vanessa. We're doing a podcast together. Thanks for Instagram, right? Or I had um, a half intensive. Is that a thing? I had a coaching session with a fabulous yoga teacher today. Seriously cool lady. How do we know each other? Socials. Was it good? Was it a great session? Yes. I had, I had fun. <laughs> And I think she got benefit from it too. Was is is me being on social media like, oh God, I have to grow. Oh my God, it's gonna kill me if I have to follow another person on this. No, I get to have great conversations with awesome people from all over the world. I would be sat here on my ass thinking, holy Toledo Batman, I don't know what to do about the podcast topic for this week. Except Vanessa DM'd me. Look at us go. So You always need to be getting in front of new people. Always, always, always. As soon as you drop the ball, your business will shrink because no one has 100% retention. No one. So if you're not constantly growing, you're shrinking. And this is not Amy being all like rah, rah, you know, stadium full of people beating their chest like Matthew McConaughey in The Frickin' Wolf of Wall Street. What I am saying is, It gets to be pleasurable. It gets to be fun. If you're confident with your socials, it's just chatting with nice people and the occasional wacko like I shared last week in the podcast. But you get my point, right? You must be building your audience all the time. And honey, please help me by building your audience, intentionally setting it up in your goddamn schedule before you launch the thing. This is where having a very simple business plan can come in handy. We're doing our six-month business planning session in the Keep Growing Mastermind next week, and I'm psyched because it doesn't have to be – it can be written on a freaking post-it, but if you have some kind of sequence, then none of these things are going to trip you up. Number two is build your audience before you start selling. Just want to check my notes. Was there anything else that I, oh yeah, look at this. I got even more notes. Hang on. I wasn't finished with that one. Um, increase your exposure. Okay. So I, I got, oh, look at this. God, look at these. These are actually examples of how to build your, man, I'm impressing myself. Look, look at me. New South Wales is good for me. Okay. One, increase your exposure. So that just means like be seen more. So if we think about um, like use modalities that are going to get more exposure. So we know that reels work better than posts. We know that um, the longer people consume your content, the more rapport you build. So 
getting people to watch a, an hour-long video of you being useful. You know, this is not about QAnon cult indoctrination. We're actually talking about helping people. Um, a podcast, these sorts of things. So increase your exposure. Get um, Be seen by more people by choosing uh, outreach techniques that you know get more views. Next, grow your followers. Set yourself a goal. If you're implementing my strategy, it's very, very doable to grow your Instagram following by 100 a week. Very doable. Don't worry about your Facebook following. That doesn't matter. But grow your Instagram following. You know, I want everybody to have like thousands, you know, upwards five to 10,000 is a good amount of Instagram followers to do good business without having to work all that hard to market. Like, why not? 100 a week. Just do it. Uh, number three is grow your mailing list. Get more subscribers on your mailing list. Have a great freebie that you know would appeal to the types of people that you like to teach and get it out on your social media platform so that people can sign up for it. Get yourself a pop-up and make sure you're not just like sign up to my newsletter. No one in 2021 is like, woohoo, yes. It's like, you know, the Homer Simpson kind of gift thing. Woo-hoo. No one's doing that when you say with a pop-up, Get my newsletter. Oh, yeah. It's like saying, let me spam you. No one's, but if you've got something interesting and useful that people are attracted to, have a pop up. Grow your mailing list. Next, get published. Write some shit down and get other people to, to promote it for you or put it up yourself. Get yourself a Medium account. Submit it to blogs. Write for other people's newsletters. Get published. Uh, um, like promote free content. So make something awesome and then boost it on Facebook or promote it on Instagram. Make good free stuff and pay those platforms a little bit of money to show it to more people. If you're going to teach me, I don't know, let's see, you do, let's say you've got an event coming up that is, um, oh man, What's an example? Let's take the, let's take Vanessa's um, inversion workshop, right? So she knows that she's got an inversion workshop coming up, and before she tells everybody about it, she wants to make sure that a whole lot more people who are likely to be interested in in, in an inversion workshop need to be circling around. She is looking to find those people and make meaningful connections before she says, "But the ba da, here's my workshop. Who wants to buy?" Don't ask someone to marry you on a first date. It's that. So what she could do is make a bunch of short uh, tutorials or a little chat about um, being fearful of falling over or uh, something fun about the safe way to fall out of a headstand for brand new beginners or, um, I don't know, you get the idea. She could do, um, here's three things you can do to prep your upper back to work into Pinchamayarasana. She could do... Um, uh, variations of whatever, you know, like, or here's some abs drills that you can do to train to double leg lift to headstand or um, sore wrists in handstand, try this or whatever. So she could make some short videos and she could promote them, promote on Instagram, boost on Facebook or shit, run full ads, but spend some money on that um, so that she gets more people looking at that content into her community, following her, getting pixeled so that then when she's ready to say, who'd like to come to my workshop, she's got these people already interested who already know she knows what she's talking about. She's, you know, she's got a teaching style that they like. 
um, they, for whatever reason, you know, they have a rapport, they have a connection with her because of who she is and who they are. And then when she says, who would like to buy the workshop, all of these people are already there and already sort of pre-qualified to be potential customers. Uh, guest appear, get on other people's stuff, be interviewed on someone else's podcast. All of you people who are like, oh, I don't know, who am I to just ask? Look, you all know this. The only reason I am still dating is so that I can continue to embody how safe it is to be told thanks but no thanks. You know, if I didn't, if I, I'm just waiting for us all to be equally cured on that front and then I'm just going to settle down. You know it. I'm doing that for you. Guests appear on people's stuff. Just ask people, so what? They never get back to you. They say no thanks. No one's ever going to say, are you kidding you? No one's ever going to. And if they do, look, (laughs) that's because they're an asshole. You know, who cares what they have to say? No, Uh, just ask. And then also in terms of in building your audience, arrange joint ventures with people, please. Would you please do that? Like, I don't know, let's say Vanessa knows she's got her gong bath coming up and she reaches out to her day spa that's two shops down from her studio and she says, hey, would you send out a newsletter to all of your people about my gong bath and I'll send out one to my people about your organic Ayurvedic yada yada treatment. Excellent. Um, next. Uh, <laughs> so the next point in of my four points, that is the next often missed, always missed, uh, marketing step in preparing for events. Actually have a budget. Actually have a marketing budget. Actually have a, actually have a budget. I can't believe... <laughs> I can't believe how much of a light bulb this is for so this is like this is like freaking you know Baba bopping you with the goddamn peacock feather for oh in enli- a budget enlightenment I've just had I've just had business moksha because because I suddenly understand that maybe I need a marketing budget who knew yes just just like muktananda just like pop you got it. Here it is. Shaktipat. Here's my business Shaktipat moment for you. Get a marketing budget and and get clear on it. How many yoga teachers say to me this? That's, this is what, you know, you know, DM me if you know you've said this to me, whether that's with your out loud voice to actually me or to like your computer when you're feeling frustrated and you're invoking me. <laughs> that sounded arrogant, but I've had too many people say I hear you in my head, Amy. I don't know if that's a good thing. Uh, anyway, um, have a mark. How many yoga teachers actually say to me, Amy, um, how much do you think I should spend on my Facebook ads? Like I'm the freaking magic eight ball. I don't know. That's for you to decide. And there's a couple of different ways that you can go about it, right? So, in fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, have we got time yet? I'm going to talk about uh, very rough and ready sort of two approaches that I commonly work with my clients with bad grammar. You get the point. The first one is immediate return on your investment. So, um, 
if you know you need to make the money back with the particular event, then you might say, okay, um, I'm going to sell 20 places into this thing and I'm going to commit two of the 20 places, that money wholly to my marketing budget. That's how much I've got to spend. So I've got $120 to spend or $400 or however much your thing is. But you know ahead of time and it just takes out all of the angst and the stress and the, oh, my God, I think Zuckerberg's going to like send me broke because you're spending £2.50 a day. No, you said it ahead of time. You know to sell this thing, this is how much you're going to spend. Zero drama because you've committed up front. You know, where I'm staying now for, uh, for the next little while, I didn't realize it until I walked past the other day, but uh, the Tathra Bolo, which is the bowling club, everybody, it's the lawn bowls club. The Tathra Bolo is where I gambled for the first time in my life. When I turned 18, my cousin and I went to the, what do you call it? You call it slot machines in America. We call it pokies. <laughs> in Australia, we went to the pokies. And before I left for the pokies for the first time ever gambling, my mum said to me, I said, oh, I don't know how much should I say? And she said, well, how much are you prepared to lose? And I did the big 20 bucks. And that was, you know, a while ago. That was in the 90s. We were wearing very high-waisted jeans, possibly with camel toes. You know it. Uh, yeah. Same deal. Like, you know, ahead of time. When I got there, I was like, oh, my God, should I keep pressing the button? I don't know. It was like, shit, I got 20 bucks. Whatever happens is going to happen. Going to do my best. Cherry, cherry, cherry. What are that big money, big money? I, <laughs> I don't think I've done. Maybe I did a little bit in Vegas, but that's because you have to at the airport because what the hell? Gambling at the airport? Anyway, so have a budget. Set it ahead of time and then Trust yourself. You set that amount of money. So that is the, if you need return on investment in that instance, then maybe it's two places of your 20 or maybe it's one place or maybe it's 10, but decide ahead of time. How much am I prepared to invest in making this event full? The other strategy is when you have, it's a little more long-term. So the first one is immediate. The second one is more long-term and how long-term is can, it can be as long as you like, as long as you can measure it. Uh, but it's where you're not needing to get that return on your investment for the first uh, sale, the first round of sales, but you know you will see it the second round. So for example, uh, a client of mine that I worked with for a while, she had a particular, um, uh, uh, it wasn't yoga, but it was, it was, what do they say now about, um, like, uh, 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 it was yoga adjacent. That's the phrase. So she taught something that was yoga adjacent and we devised a strategy that she worked and refined so that it was just humming whereby she would do these one-off events, which was like the come and try. And uh, again, there's training in the back catalog if you want to know how we did it. So she would these Saturday afternoon come and try things. And I can't remember. I think it was 90 minutes. It might have been two hours. I think 90 minutes. And for her, at the end of that, she would then sell people into her 12 weeks of her yoga adjacent classes. So it did, she wasn't looking to make money on the come and try. And she would turn over about two grand, I think, off the top of my head. Now, she would spend that much ahead of time to make sure that that thing was full 
so that then she would then sell her classes and they would be full. And so after two offers, she absolutely came out financially in front, but she was prepared to spend all the money that she made after take out hiring of the room and whatever goodies or whatever she gave away, cups of tea, whatnot, whatever was her profit from the come and try, she was prepared to spend as her advertising budget because she made oodles off the back end. I think at the end she got it down to like 30 people into the come and try of which she had about a 60% conversion rate getting people then to book into her classes. I think at the time she was teaching two classes a week. So, you know, she would fill her classes with her existing students and the people who she met at this come and try thing. So absolutely made sense for her to forego the profit on the first thing to make more profit on the second thing. And in fact, what that meant was she was doing two grand's worth of advertising without, like for free, if you like, or in exchange for a teaching a, a half day come and try, 90 minute come and try. So, you know, all of this to say that if you, if, if you have a longer term strategy, um, maybe you do a, uh, I don't know, maybe you do like a yoga teacher tune up and you, so for people who have done a 200 hour and you teach them some, how to do better sequencing, how to do better verbal assists, those sorts of things, maybe you, you promote the F out of that and you're prepared to forsake all the money you're going to make running that thing. But then off the back of that, you sell them all into a 300 or a 500 hour yoga teacher training. I don't know, like for what, four grand each, five grand each, you sell 10 people out of the 40 people who came to the tune up it makes sense, right? Who cares? So that's not the strategy for everybody. But when it comes to the question of Amy, how much do I spend on my ads? It depends. One, the first option is I need to see an arrow. This is my thing. I need the money back on this thing. Then you, you know, do that. Like my mum said, how much are you prepared to lose until you have advertised to a point where you know what your own data sets are, you know, your own metrics. And so you can project that For example, I know if I spend $2,000 on ads, this many people are likely to come along to my thing. Or I know if I spend $100 on ads, this many people are likely to come along to my thing. But when you're just getting going, you don't know that. So take Amy's Tathra Bolo approach and spend however much you're prepared to, air quotes, lose. The second approach is if you have a longer term strategy and you're prepared to wait to get your profit on, wait until you're sold the second thing to make your profit, then go for it and spend all your money from the, that you anticipate to make. Again, if you're doing it for the first time, you don't know what that is. Uh, you might need to run the same uh, strategy multiple times to build up some data so that you can forecast. But you might you, you might not mind not making any, um, as long as you're you know, breaking even on the first thing because then when you sell the second thing, that's when the money comes in. Okay, so anyway, all of this to say that point number three is actually have a budget. Okay. So, uh, point number four of my four missed marketing steps when preparing for events is, uh, have a sales target have a sales target, have a sales target that you feel really, really solid about. Um, again, this is this, you know, I, I say to, I say to so many of you when we're talking, I say, okay, how many people do you want to sell into this thing? And not because I'm being ruthless and cutthroat and all like, 
again, you know, Wolf of Wall Street about it. But because you've got a great thing, it helps people, so they need it. So how many people do you want to sell into this thing? This is not cigarettes to chimpanzees. This is yoga or yoga-adjacent offerings. So many people say, oh, I don't know, like as many as I can get? Eh. No, this is your business. This is not a wish list. I'm just going to manifest the people that are meant to be there to come. I mean, for some of you, that's actually how you do business, and that just means that we're probably not the best fit when it comes to coaching. But good Lord, uh, have a sales target, right? And you know what? If you don't make it, that's okay. You're not going to get like all of this bad karma. Oh, I fell short of my sales target. I suck. I'm, 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 I'm worthless. I'm never going to do anything well ever again. I'm going to eat all the cake because I missed my, no, it just means, okay, I overshot the target. Next time, I'm not going to aim so high. Good to know. What a relief. I'm going to set myself a bit more of a doable target. It's not you, it's the target, right? Unless, of course, it was total crickets. Then, then maybe no one wants your workshop. That's another conversation. But set a sales target because why? Because it's motivating to have a goal. That's why. That's why. It's motivating to have a goal. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. Look, there's, there are some teachings in the yoga back catalogue, not mine, uh, well, actually mine also, but, you know, I'm talking about the old books that talk about manifesting yada, but ah, I'm, 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 um, I'm, I'm increasingly manifesting uh, uh, hesitant. But for the sake of today, Set yourself a goddamn target so you know what you're going for. How motivating is it to have a target? It just is. It just is. If you want 20 people coming to your gong bath, then you, you put that 20 somewhere. I've talked about this before. I use my white fridge because I have a white fridge because I'm old and uncool. I know everybody has a goddamn stainless steel fridge, whatever. Don't do this on your stainless steel fridge. But if you have a white fridge like me, Use a whiteboard marker and track it there or get yourself a big piece of paper or make a note in your phone like Wendy, my co-teacher for these workshops I've been doing, she has, she's so good at doing the notes in the phone and she does like all the different emojis depending on if people have paid or not. She's great at it. I have notes. Envy from Wendy. But set a target and keep, keep on track with it. Keep, you know, keep, celebrate every time someone signs up. I was talking to um, a yoga teacher today who has a book and I said, how many books you sold? And she said that she didn't know and worse that she only got a quarterly report from her publisher. And I'm like, are you crazy? I would want to, I would want my phone to ping every bloody book I sold because it's motivating. I'm like, yes, next. So have a sales target. So you know where you're going and not because you can, not so that you beat yourself up about it. It's not like, I don't know, like, oh, like when I did uh, Weight Watchers once, you know, and you have to, and it was Weight Watchers at work, Ooh, uh, which is not called Weight Watchers anymore, right? Because that's shaming or whatever, WW, whatever it's called, something stupid. Uh, I did it once. 
at work, and which meant that every Friday lunchtime you would go with all of your colleagues and uh, weigh yourself in front of everybody. Um, and, you know, that was not a target that felt good. Oh, I've put on 0.4. I've put on 0.6. Don't, like, don't do that. It's not about, oh, I suck. It's not about, it's not about um, creating a stick to beat yourself with. It's about celebrating the success, whatever it is, celebrating every book you sell, celebrating every person that signs up. If you don't have a target, you can't celebrate. So have a sales target. All right, so uh, let's do a quick recap. Um, the four missed marketing steps when preparing for events. Here we go. One, I've got to find the right spot on my notes. Jeez. Oh, I promise I'll be better next week. I promise. Uh, One, schedule your events with marketing in mind. Two, build your audience before you start selling. Three, plan your budget. Four, set a sales target. Thanks, Vanessa Flow underscore yoga for inspiring this week's podcast. Uh, Thanks to everybody who checked in with me when I took the other week off because I just couldn't be shagged. And again, thanks to everybody who was so flexible, (laughs) yogis, uh, with me having to drop everything and make a dash for the border last week. Like I said, no traffic noise, no effing seas. Next week, I'll find somewhere quiet and padded to record. We're on the up and up here. Um, And a reminder, like I said, if you haven't done social media confidence and you're not making sales from your social media, please take my course. I mean, don't be silly. Just bloody sign up. And I'll tell you what else. It's fun. Ask anybody who's done it. It's actually fun. So if you're still poo-poo social media, one, it's 2021. (laughs) Unless you're still walking around with those jeans and a camel toe at the Tarth Rabola, you need my course. And two, we can have fun while we do it. Uh, amymcdonald.com.au forward slash social radiosi. Thanks, everybody. I, uh, I can't believe you all listened to this. I just uh, really, I just think that's amazing and I'm so grateful. Uh, Till next week. Bye. So there you have it, folks, another edition of the Abundant Yoga Teacher Podcast. Hey, favor to ask. If you found the content useful, I would be very grateful if you could support this podcast by giving me a five-star rating. And if you've got a moment, a review would be super cool. No pressure, of course. Like I said earlier, if you have any suggestions for podcast topics in the future, I would love to be in service. DM me on Instagram at Amy Yoga Biz Coach. Take deep care.